0: Remember, as the song says, it's five o'clock somewhere. Join us for some grown-up fun, interesting and stimulating conversations that will motivate, inspire, or just make you laugh. And for more grown-up fun, visit our website, The Three Tomatoes, and the three is spelled out, and sign up for our newsletters. Now sit back and relax and enjoy the episode. Welcome, friends, to The Three Tomatoes Happy Hour Podcast. I'm Kim Selby, the San Francisco editor of the Three Tomatoes newsletter. Today, my guest is someone who I am very much looking forward to speaking with, Dr. Jack Stern. He is, of course, a board-certified neurological surgeon, and he's recognized for his expertise in lower back pain. He also co-founded a practice focused on non-surgical treatment of back and neck pain. Love that. And he is the author of a book entitled Ending Back Pain Five Powerful Steps to Diagnose, Understand, and Treat Your Ailing Back. And I have to tell you, this is extremely timely for me since I experience lower back pain. And after reading your book, Dr. Stern, I think I fall into the chronic category. <laughs> so let's dive in and see what you have to share with us. And welcome. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I'd also say that I think that. The vast majority of people who read the book, although I discuss acute and chronic back pain, which we probably should define, I think the vast majority of people who read the book are chronic back pain sufferers because acute pain, which is defined as pain that lasts six weeks or less, since it is of such short duration, by the time most people get to Barnes and Nobles, the pain is gone. <laughs> that, which is great, um, not good for book sales, but it's good for the patient. Uh, so most people are like yourself, and in fact, like myself. I know you've read the books. So you know yeah. that I'm also a chronic pain sufferer, and um, and chronic pain is defined as pain that does not get better uh, within what would be the normal period of time that. A cohort or group of other people with the same symptoms would get better. So in today's uh, nomenclature since uh, Malcolm Gladwell and others have become so popular, we are not the outliers anymore. We are the majority of patients who suffer from back pain. People who have acute back pain fortunately are the minority Uh, and as we get older and a larger percentage of the population are baby boomers like myself, we see more and more individuals with chronic back pain.
0: Yeah. I mean, our listeners are primarily fit into that category as well. And I think I looked, or maybe I read it in your book, but I know I looked it up too, is something like 80% of people will experience lower back pain at some point in their life. Is that a number that rings about true to you?
1: Yes, that's correct. And it's an alarming number. And that was done, that study was done by uh, randomly, a group of um, uh, peeps people sat at a battery of telephones and just called folks randomly and said, "Have you ever suffered from back pain?" They didn't really know who they were calling. They weren't pre-selected. They were just uh, John and Jane Q public, and um, that is a the percentage very high percentage of people who, sometime in their lives, suffer an um, back pain that warrants medical attention, not just back pain, but back pain that warrants medical attention. that's a huge number of people.
0: Yeah, that's that's a lot, that's really interesting. And I do know, I know many, I work out almost every day and I know everybody really around my age group, women in particular, is it true, suffer from some back pain, but theirs goes away and mine stays. And I'm like, ah, that makes me mad. Is it mostly women?
1: No, it's not the distribution is uh, pretty much Hmm. 50-50. Now needless to say, there are a cohort of women who have uh, uh, back pain during pregnancy, which Uh then goes away. And there are also women who have back pain where during pregnancy, because there's this outpouring of steroids during pregnancy, their back pain gets much better and then worsens when they have the child. But women in general are not, uh, more likely or less likely to have back pain than men, oh. uh, which is actually an interesting statistic.
0: That is actually interesting. Maybe just, I'm certainly in contact with more women, and maybe women are more vocal
1: <laughs> about it than men. Well, I, don't know. I mean, just come back from the gym. I see a lot of men walking around with their one hand holding their their backs, and you just know that as they get up, um, that. It hurts. Congratulations to them that they came to the gym, but <laughs> they're certainly they're certainly hurting a little bit. That's
0: how I feel every day at the gym. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, in in your book, so did, you know you you say that you talk a lot about uh, the spine, and you talk about a lot of the treatments. But yeah, what I really like is that it seems if you lived in California, I would be going to see you. That you you take a little more time with people and that there's, you don't just rely on the diagnostic tests. Is that true?
1: Um, yes and no. So, um, ultimately one of the points I make in the book is that you can't treat back pain unless you have a diagnosis. You can't treat it effectively. It's like saying, going to the doctor and saying, I have belly pain. Well, is it appendicitis? Did you have food poisoning? Or God forbid, do you have some? Do you have, uh, uh, pancreatic uh, lesion? So the same thing with back pain. It's, uh, the, the term is such a, um, we call it a, a garbage can term because everything goes in there, but you can't treat it unless you are more specific, unless the physician is more specific about making a diagnosis. And that of course is the challenge since your back pain may have a very different, um, what we call pain generator than my back pain. Mine could come from a disc and yours can come from uh, a joint. The person next to you can come, the pain can come because they strain their back and it's muscular, or it could be ligamentous or tendinous. So it's real important for folks like you and me who have longstanding pain that hasn't been responsive to see if a diagnosis, a proper diagnosis can be made. And based on that, you do need the diagnostic testing.
0: I guess what I was saying is that I think what you do is you you have a questionnaire for people or you have something for them to fill out, which is very specific. And I I think that that really struck me, I wish I had done this homework prior to going to the doctor. And I think that's all I'm saying is that we have to take care of our own, uh, we have to go into a doctor, into you, is what I'm understanding. Knowing exactly where our pain is. I like the forms that you have so that we can think about it. it what I meant was it's not just the diagnostic. We have to tell where the pain is. We have yeah. to figure out what makes it better, what makes it worse, to help you, the physician.
1: The reality is that in 20, almost 2020, doctors have very little time for their patients. I mean, it's a sad reality. Um, yeah. It certainly has to do with economics. Um, and because in most cases, um, back pain is self-limiting, as we said, it's usually acute and gets better. Most physicians, even the best physicians, um, kind of pay short shrift. They don't, you know, take two pills, call me in the morning. It's not better in 10 days. Call me back. Usually 80% of people never call back because it's better. But then there are people like yourself and myself where it doesn't get better and those are the folks who really are getting shortchanged by our physicians and i think what you're saying and certainly what i say in the book is that whether it's back pain or anything else nowadays you have to be an educated consumer you have to have an idea what's going on with you and you have to advocate for yourself as sad as that may be um And maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a good thing. I take that back. Maybe it's a good thing that we have to advocate ourselves. Because the more we know about our bodies, the more we know about the things that could potentially go wrong with our bodies, the better we are to describe to a physician what's the matter, and the better we can advocate for the things that we need to have done in order to make a diagnosis and a treatment. So yes, in the book, I um, go over the half a dozen or so things that usually cause pain. And I just went over some of them, joints, uh, discs, uh, ligaments, tendons, etc. cetera. And um, I have, as you very well indicated, I kind of um, make a checklist. So if you have A, B, and C, it's likely that you have a disc. If you have C, D, and A, it's likely that you have the other thing. Uh, so that you can, you, the, 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 the patient, the reader, can start thinking about, aha, I think this is what's the matter with me and um, and then when you go see your physician um, you have a better idea and you can communicate more intelligently with your doctor about what's the matter with you and I would say again uh, it's not only about back pain about any condition nowadays you have to educate yourself and advocate for yourself
0: yeah I mean that is so true and I know I mean, I know, I wish I had, as I said, read this before I went into the, I went to a physiatrist because I do not want surgery. And I I like that you actually explore every option prior to surgery. And in the book, you lay out when it should be, when you need it and when you don't, you know, I mean, this is really a very technical uh, book and I think very valuable for people to help them understand back pain before they go into someone. And I. Uh, went by myself, and I think another thing you add, say is, to you know, it's always important to bring someone with you, because your mind is spinning, and I wish I had brought someone with me to take notes, because honestly, all I heard was, we're going to do steroid injections, it, something about your facet joint, blah, 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 and I was in such pain, I'm like, okay, okay, uh, I'm one of those people for whom it did not work, you know, and right. um, uh, whatever, for whatever reason, I I think that bringing someone with you, I know that's true of any uh, doctor appointment. And it is, that's a whole different discussion about the healthcare system and the limited time you have with each physician. Right. And um, well, anyway, that's a whole, the, the steroid injections, I know you talk about that. And I found it very interesting too, another fact, I think you said uh, something about how there are many patients when they did a study that show that they have some sort of uh, degenerative disc problems who never, ever get any symptoms, but some people with it do.
1: Yeah, that was a fascinating study. It was published in one of the most prestigious medical journals, namely the New England Journal of Medicine. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of, it is a straightforward study. They asked a hundred, I think it was a hundred random volunteers who had no back pain to have an MRI. And lo and behold, a significant percentage, I don't remember exactly, but a significant percentage had some sort of, the term we call is pathology, something where you'd say, oh, we, person's got that, no wonder they have back pain. But these folks didn't have back pain. So it points to the fact that and I think you you were probably alluding to this in the beginning, it's not just having a diagnostic test. It means that the the symptoms have to match what you see on the MRI. Um, The old Gilbert and Sullivan song, the punishment has to fit the crime. Yeah, yeah. So, So here the diagnosis has to fit the MRI. And it's not uncommon someone comes to me and says, I have terrible right leg pain and I do an MRI and lo and behold, I have a herniated disc on the left side. Well, it's not possible. Well, it's almost impossible to have a herniated disc on the left side to cause right-sided symptoms. I wouldn't say always, but it's not likely. So uh, the two have to, There has to be a correlation. They have to be synergistic yeah. um, to, um, to make the diagnosis and the book always this also discusses which diagnostic tests are most appropriate for which diagnosis. So is it is it a CAT scan, is it an X-ray? Is it uh, an MRI? Is it EMGs, et cetera? Right. And really? I
0: noticed that you and I, I appreciate that you also, you know, said it could be something completely different causing your back pain. Rather, right. you know, it could be an, an organ failure or what uh, Cancer, even, but I don't like to focus on that part. But I think it's important to know that it may not just be your back,
1: right? right. So, in the book, I tell a story of a man who came to me, uh, and even even I sometimes don't listen, even though I really try to listen real hard to my patients. <laughs> I, you know, he comes in complaining of back pain, and uh, I did an MRI. I didn't see anything, and I kept saying. To him i don't know where your pains back pain's coming from and he says to me dr stern you're not listening i don't have back pain i have cramping in my legs and of course i thought you know herniated discs etc etc and then i went over his medication and he was on a statin and some of the statins are known to cause leg cramps oh <laughs> So I stopped the statin, had his doc, and the leg pain went away completely. So, you know. Um,
0: yeah, it's yeah. a matter of, of tuning into the patient. and Right,
1: you got to listen.
0: Yeah. I had
1: a professor at Columbia who always said, the patient knows the diagnosis better than you do. And I think a lot of times that's right. So Because we, we know our bodies pretty well if we pay attention.
0: Yeah, you're right. And I love how you suggest keeping a pain diary. Yes. I mean, it seems so simple, but I love that idea. It's like th- keeping a food diary. If you're trying to lose weight or if you're trying to cure colitis, <laughs> I know about that too. Or, yeah. but, um, you know, when does it hurt? Because I keep trying to do that. Does yoga make it better? Does you know, bike riding make it worse? I think that's just something that people wouldn't necessarily think about a pain diary. I like that.
1: Yeah. I, um, it's so important. Um, my wife said to me the other day you're having back pain again but you're you're back you're again doing your spin class mm. i just stop the spin class for another week or so see if the pain goes away and of course the pain went away <laughs> um, and it was the type of activity i was doing and it could be you know it could be dozens of other things but keeping a log um is really important because then you can make a correlation between a specific activity and your pain. It's, yeah, it's I think
0: particularly, that's
1: particularly if the pain goes on for a while.
0: Well, yeah, and I have to work on that myself. But my favorite part of the book, and I would like to talk a little bit about this, starts when it's time to look above the neck, <laughs> the psychology of pain. And I think that so many people discredit this portion and I love how you are open to acupuncture and physical therapy and the Alexander technique, which I am really anxious to try myself. I've heard about it for years and years and years because I was a dancer, so I've heard about it. Right. Um but I, I love the fact that you are able to integrate your thoughts on this and really share that with people. Do you want to would you mind telling a few of the ways that you may have seen people improve. Uh, from using something that really requires the mind-body connection?
1: Of course. So I would say first off that very few people are faking their pain, or what we call a Munchausen syndrome. (laughs) Right. uh, Now, there are folks who, who even subconsciously get benefit out of their back pain. Uh, the fellow who tells his wife, oh, I'm not taking out the garbage. My back pain hurts too much. <laughs> I, I would see it all the time. Or uh, yeah. a couple where one or the other of them uh, defers from intimacy because of back pain. Um, so, so, yes, there could be secondary benefit from back pain, but very few folks actually fake their back pain. Um, Uh, despite the fact that some do do have psychological gains, what's called secondary gain from their back pain. Um, Those also fall into a small category. For the most part, those folks who have back pain and we don't have a diagnosis is because the technology isn't available yet to make the diagnosis. I'm old enough to remember before CAT scans or MRIs when I was an intern, the first CAT scan came, And in those days, I can't tell you how many patients, we must have missed the diagnosis because that technology wasn't available. And I'm sure there's gonna be technology in the next 10, 15, 20 years, that's going to uh, be able to pinpoint pain generators that we don't recognize today. Having said that, I would say that almost everyone who has chronic pain, it it has a psychological consequence. Um, It has a consequence for the person. It has a consequence for the family.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It's not the same person that you once knew, whether it's your spouse. Let's say it's your spouse. And, you know, Jane, she's just not the same anymore. She doesn't want to go out to the theater with me because she says she can't sit for too long we used to dance all the time and now she has the pain, and so it has huge psychological impact on the family even on the children you know ma- mom is just not herself um and of course because there's no outward sign it's not like you have a broken leg or you have a crutch or you have a a cast there's no outward sign that this person is having pain, yeah. so so often you say, "Ah, person's nuts. you know she or he is nuts. there's nothing the matter. Look, walking down the street looks fine. Of course, if you keep walking with that person another block, they probably can't go much further so there's a lot of psychological overlay, and there's a huge psychological impact. There's also something i des- I, des- I uh, describe as loss of body parts
0: oh yeah and
1: I feel that someone who, whether it's from back pain or from something else, if you're a person who, who normally can use your leg, use your arm, whatever, and you suddenly can't, I think there's a, a mourning, almost a mourning process, M-O-U-R, where you right. mourn um, that you can't do that anymore. Um, and there's a certain sadness Uh, about that, which is understood. So it's easy to say, but I'm a back pain sufferer as well, so I would say that sometimes the recognition, whether you recognize it by yourself or recognize it with, with a professional, whether it is a psychologist or whether it's an Alexander teacher, or somebody else who uses the mind-body connection, it's real important. In in one of the first steps to healing, is acknowledging the disability. And I use that word, even though it's a it's a foreboding word. You know, you don't want to say I have a disability, but I do have a disability. I can't run after my granddaughter the way I used to. Um, so a, a, recognizing you have the issue and coming to some sort of grips with it and and modifying your life so that you don't have pain and you don't do those things I think goes a long way in the healing process and you notice I use the word healing not curing right right this is a healing process not a curing process I hope that answers that.
0: Yeah, it does. You know, it's interesting as it makes me think and not to sit here and talk too much about myself. But of course, I think about myself as we're discussing this. I had a hip replacement in 2001. I was very young, let's just say. And um, it was great. Everything's great. But, you know, you have that in your mind. And then I dislocated my hip three years ago, twice in six months. And I think that my back pain got worse then. And I think part of it might be structural as well. But part of it is the fear I have inside of ever dislocating that hip, which was on the other side than my back pain.
1: You're absolutely right. You're right on.
0: Yeah. 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 I know. And so I have to figure out how to get rid of that fear. And I read it, you know, I've I've known about a lot of holistic treatments over the years. And I read about your biofeedback you know, that's a possibility. But I think I really want to try the Alexander techniques so that someone had just told me about that, a practitioner they knew in the area. And I, before I read the book, and, you know, as I'm dealing with this, and I, and then I read, you know, that your wife is also or was a practitioner in that, and that fascinates me. So I want to try those things, you know, uh, as, as well, a, but, as, but a I form,
1: think as a former dancer, I yeah. just have to assume that you have got, you have six Excuse me significant body awareness i mean you can't be a yeah. dancer if you don't i, I do mean, me i got two left feet uh, <laughs> but, but dancers don't so uh, something like pilates or the alexander technique or feldenkrais these techniques heighten your body awareness and help you change frequently positionally mm-hmm. pos- those those positions of pain to those where there is no pain. So I think that for you I think I, I think it's really important. So I hope you follow. Yeah. That.
0: I have tried pilates and that seemed to make it worse so I there's something about that's why I'm moving on to the Alexander technique but but I think that a lot of people uh, are not familiar. And I think that's what was great about your book is that you devoted uh, the last portion of it to the therapies such as acupuncture or it, just being aware of the variety of other ways to heal. To ha- because I've also read and, and believe that we can heal our own bodies to a certain extent anyway. And I, a lot of it is the mind. So I'm, I personally am working on getting rid of fear and <laughs> moving moving into a healthier back, Good you thing. know, um, as well.
1: It's interesting that you said that the Pilates, uh, that you didn't do well with Pilates, because in the book I mentioned that, particularly for women, women, particularly women who have osteoporosis, it's the only contradiction, contraindication in all of the literature to using Pilates, so. Uh, it's an interesting. It's interesting that you had an issue with it. So.
0: Yeah, I did, and then I went to chiropractor. Oh, I've been to chiropractors on and off my entire life because I'm a big believer. But it got worse. Yeah. So I think that you just have to again. It's just taking care of yourself and advocating for yourself and finding the right practitioner. Right. And and it's it's wonderful that you are open to that because I have to say in my own experience with my physiatrist, he was fine but it was boom, 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 in and out. There was no talk of anything other. Then he talked after the uh, steroidal injection did not do anything. I mean, maybe it dulled some pain for a minute or so. He was like, well, then there's another treatment we can do, and then another treatment. And I thought, and I said to him, may I please do physical therapy first? And he said, yes. And then when I did a few times of physical therapy, I realized I'm doing all those things in yoga. you know. Yeah, right. nothing was new to me, nothing. So I thought I kind of stopped physical therapy, <laughs> but I keep up the exercise. I do love, my favorite thing in the book is that, and I think this is really valid as we're wrapping up and really important for people to know, do not use your pain as an, back pain as an excuse to sit still because you really need that movement and that exercise to lubricate your joints and get your body going. And I'm a big a fan of working out. I am not one of those who is using my back as an excuse. I cry when I can't work out, so I think that really telling people how important it is to move your body is something that I really appreciate that you
1: uh, advocate for. Again, right on. A uh, uh, body addressed will stay addressed. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's, it's a, based on a physics principle. Uh, body a uh, body in motion. It's one of Newton's laws. Will will stay in motion. We'll try to continue in motion. So. Um, I'm glad you uh, found the book interesting. Um, it's been on the market now for three, four years, and still sells quite a few copies. But what I'm doing now also—you um, probably have uh, the address of my of the uh, website. Um, as you indicated, I'm actually trying to help people. If they lo- if they go to the website, they can uh, communicate with me, possibly even send me their films, et cetera, to see if I can help them. Oh, that's wonderful. um, It's Mm. as if you get a second opinion, but I will not treat you. Right. You understand what I'm saying? I will not treat you. I'll give you my opinion because I think that if you start treating patients, you automatically introduce a bias. Right. If you're a physiatrist, you want to do injections. If you're a surgeon, you want to operate. And to give a second opinion and not treat, for me, is uh just a whole uh way of changing the way we think about medicine so uh in, on the website there's a way of contacting me and doing that
0: tell us what the website is we will also include it in our show notes but if you can just say it that'd be great
1: i think it's endingbackpain.com Okay. I'm terrible with website names. <laughs> well,
0: well, we will make sure it's up there, so when people listen, it's it's in the notes. And I will be sending you my MRI because I love that <laughs> that you will do that because I also I I don't understand it. And honestly, for me to have to go back to my doctor and say, "Can you explain again?" and then he starts talking in doctor speak, and I'm like, Oh, I don't understand." You know, I understand acupuncture and physical therapy in my body, but what are you talking about? So I. Appreciate that you're willing and able to do that for people, and I, I also appreciate your book and hope that others. I I know it has been out for a while. Is there anything that you want to add to the book that you might have uh, found out over the past few years that might be different?
1: What I'm trying to do now is because there's so much interesting information coming out all the time, um, I will start adding um, a blog to the website. So if people want to check in on the website on a regular basis, you'll see me starting to talk about newer modalities, new techniques, et cetera, et cetera. Ooh,
0: that's good to know. So we'll make sure that we have your correct uh, website up there. And I just want to say, I thank you so much for your time today. And one of the things that I certainly gleaned from the book said uh, that you need to approach your doctor with a team-oriented perspective as well.
1: Yes. Yeah. And that, I mean, your, it could be your family.
0: Right. Exactly. I love reason. that. Yeah. Well, I think that your book gives hope to a lot of back pain sufferers. And I think that anybody who has even had the the acute type of back pain would get Benefit out of this so that they can avoid any further chronic pain.
1: (laughs) Yes. I'm hoping hoping that's the case. And I think, in my experience, with people who've read the book, for example, somebody has an acute herniated disc and we're told right away that they need surgery, then they read the book and they said, wait a second. Stern's book says you you can probably wait six to eight weeks unless you have a neurological deficit and not have surgery. And the pain went away. And I, I was able to, via the book, Prevent them from having uh, what would have turned out to be an unnecessary operation. So.
0: Well, I think that is fabulous, and nobody wants to go under the knife unless they absolutely have to. You know, no, um, no offense. No. To surgeons no. <laughs> on you, <laughs> but no. but it's something you know the expense and the healthcare and all that stuff, but. Well, Dr. Stern, I thank you for alleviating my back pain today. I feel better already. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's as people say with, you know, sometimes you read something and your brain clicks in and it's like, Oh, okay. I'm better. Just giving the, giving someone the permission to feel better, you know, knowing that you have that uh, availability within yourself. So I'm going to use that today.
1: And, uh, I'm really glad. If I I accomplished anything today, that would be worthwhile.
0: Yes, it would. (laughs) Thank you so much, Dr. Stern. I look forward to uh, following your blog, and I know our readers, uh, readers, our listeners do as well. And you have a great, healthy back day yourself.
1: You're welcome. God bless and have a great day.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye.